Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glovers Cast. I'm David Coates and I'm joined tonight by Ian Perkins. Any of you who joined us a couple of weeks ago will have heard our conversation with Tim and Will, two supporters whose time following the club goes back probably further than they care to imagine. Um, we spoke about a period which spans from the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s when the Overtown moved grounds from the old Hewish, now Tesco supermarket in the centre of the town, uh, to Hewish Park um, and almost meant, went to the wall as a result of the spiralling cost in the move. And uh, as is the club's history, plenty of FA Cup heroics along the way. We thought it would be great to follow up uh, that view from off the pitch with a view from on the pitch. So on this episode, we are joined by two Yeovil Town legends of that time. Mickey Spencer scored 108 times in 281 appearances for the club, having joined in 1988, and wrote his name in the club's history books by becoming the first player to score in a competitive fixture at Hewish Park. And joining Mickey is Neil Coates, an all-action fullback who had two spells with the club, first in the 80s and then again in the early 90s, with a stint at Dorchester Town sandwiched in between. Neil was not quite as prolific as Mickey, but as we heard from Tim and Will a couple of weeks ago, his winner in an FA Cup replay at Hereford in December 1992 is often described as the goal that saved the club from going out of business. So firstly, Mickey and Neil, a warm welcome and thanks for joining us on the Glovers cast. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you. 
Brilliant. Well, Neil, it's, it's good to have another coach on the on the podcast. That's all I'll say. But I think you are the you're the premier coach on this one. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But I, I wondered if we could start um, from with you because um, you were brought to Yeovil, I think, uh, nineteen eighty four, eighty five by by Jerry Gow, and we heard from our previous contributors. Uh, Tim and Will the other week that uh, Jerry Gow very much rebuilt the Oval time that season. I mean, I wondered if you could start off by maybe just telling us what what do you remember about the time the the Oval side that you joined in that first stint, and probably for our, our younger listeners who remember Hewis as you know as a supermarket and nothing much else. I mean, what do you recall of the ground that you you walked into during that first spell with the club? Um, well, yeah. Good evening. Um, it was. Quite surreal, really, because um, I didn't really know Yeovil had a team. And I lived in Killingham all my life um, and and never really sort of knew what they were. Um, and then I got released from AFC Bournemouth and uh, I got a phone call from Jerry um, to ask me to come training. So sort of went down there training and sort of I think we... Um, we had about two sessions training and then there was a game. I didn't play in that one. Um, and then there was another game um, coming up. And I think Dave Linney was um, right back and he got injured. And then uh, I got the call with like training twice to, I was 17 at the time. Right. Um, um, and then got the call to go to Tooting and Mitcham away. Um, so ended up going up there and I think if I'm right, within 20, 25 minutes, I've hit one from about 25 yards in the top corner. What a start. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and that, that was the start and then, yeah, got home and the next day Jerry's come round the house and said, you better sign on here, mate. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that was it. And what do you remember about the old Hewish? Because a very different ground to those who just remember Hewish Park now. It's a very different setup, wasn't it? Oh, completely. Yeah, I mean that the slope is just yeah. yeah it, well, it's world famous, isn't it? You know, it's but actually playing on it was it was actually quite difficult. I think I've actually scored a couple of um, crosses that went straight in. Right. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Uh, but yeah, I mean I. You probably know better than me. It was, was it something like nine? It, nine it was ten, about that. Yeah, think, nine or yeah. ten foot from top to bottom, which doesn't sound a lot, but when you're running up and down <laughs> or sideways, it's you soon notice yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and mud. I think that was probably the biggest thing I found. Like it did cut up really easily, and yeah, it did become kind of a bit of a ploughed field at times. Mickey, you you joined a few years later and were were brought in to replace Guy Whittingham. Did you did you know him from the army? Is that right? You replaced him when he went to Portsmouth. I never actually replaced him. He actually he got me into the club. So um, just so you know the background, I was um, I was in the army. I was a sergeant, uh, physical training instructor in the army. And one of my members of staff was Guy Whittingham. He was a corporal. And a lot of people don't realise that he only started playing football. Uh, around two years before he actually joined Yeovil, he used to play a little bit more in the, in, the, in the core rugby team. And so he came into the gym, he, you know, and all I can say is that his progression 
watching him play in the same team in the army or whatever was phenomenal and i actually just thought this guy's got to be on steroids i mean i'm just you know he, <laughs> but he just seemed to learn every game and it was amazing to see and and i think he went from um nowhere to waterlooville and he, he, he i think he scored you know something like 11 goals in 11 games and then Yeovil noticed him and they sort of approached him and when he joined um Yeovil, they were struggling to find a partnership with him and um and Brian Hall, who was a manager at the time, just asked him, he says, he goes, I know about Mickey. Mickey was at Wokenham Town, you know, um, you know, and I was there for like five, six years. He says, uh, you know, what do you think? And so Guy just said, oh, would you come and join us? And I think and my experience of playing against Yeovil, and I had played uh, against Yeovil when I was um, for Wokenham, it was, at, it was at an end of a the A303 caravan car park because <laughs> it, was it was like, where? So the first, so so we we went down and uh, I said I'd have a look and it was a good time. It was a good timing for me because I'd actually become a, di- a bit disillusioned with Wokingham Town and had a fantastic time there, but they they just sort of never pushed on from a really good season the season before. And so I said, yeah, I'll have a look and um, spoke to Brian Hall, who was very persuasive and um, and and because of Guy, you know, I said let's try it. Anyway, no sooner had I joined, I think we played. From the February to the end of the season, and then um, he jumped ship and uh, joined uh, uh, Portsmouth. You know, I thought great. So I had to I had to do that hundred mile journey on my own from um, from the army camp. So it was, um, but that's that's how I joined. It wasn't. Uh, I didn't replace him. I don't think he. You know, he was a phenomenal player in his own right. And by the time he had left Yeovil, he had left me in his wakes. You know, so it was. Um, I think it was. Uh, I, I felt a little bit sort of. Um, dumped basically. So, <laughs> I mean, you hit the ground running though, didn't you, Mickey? Because I think that first, uh, well, the sort of second season, you 89 90, you yeah. were joint top scorer with Robbie Carroll, I think, was it that? And that was the last season at the old ground, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, listen, the old ground was phenomenal. I mean, as a, as a, a, a visiting player, it was intimidating. And, you know, the, the crowd, I actually felt they could hook you off the pitch you know they were that close you know and um they spoke in they spoke with that um that west country accent that you know you thought i only saw that in movies before you know and it, <laughs> you know and um and I, I, I remember you know uh certain comments that they would make and you know they, they said get back you know they they call the a303 the fast road get back on that fast road <laughs> you know you know so it was, so it was still um, do i think <laughs> yeah, so, so it was, you know, it was really eye-opening. But when you turned up as a player, oh, my God, they were the most friendliest uh, uh, supporters, you know. They just absorbed you in. The supporters, they took you to their heart. And I had a fantastic time with the, the Oval supporters. In fact, they really sort of made it very easy for you to play at the, the old ground. I think that's the difference, isn't it? That. The supporters down on the old ground, like you were so close to them. And like when we played, we played Wickham and Sutton and there was like four and a half thousand supporters yeah. in, in in that ground. Well, you you could see it rocking. You know, it was literally shaking from the rafters when when we scored or even sort of all they wanted to see was like to put an effort in. And I think that's probably true to today. You know, they, they, I know they expect a lot, but I think they'd be quite happy if 
if everybody just put in 100%. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and just on the old pitch, the slope was incredible <laughs> because if you were, if you were, um, so any ball that was kicked to the top of the slope, all the away players always thought it was going to run out and you knew it wasn't. So everyone would, you know, the, the defenders initially would look at me and thinking, oh, he's just a bit keen, just chasing after it. But I knew that it was going to the top of the slope. It wasn't going out. It would just, it would, it would camber back in, and um, and you, you, you know, you find yourself ten yards on side. But it was also when the crosses were coming in. So, if you were crossing from the top of the uh, the hill at the top of the slope as a forward, you always went to the back post because the ball looked like it was lower. So the old the keepers, six foot seven, would go forward, and they'd end up sort of going about four foot underneath the ball, and you just you sit on the back post. And it was the opposite, the, the other way around. That you know they felt it was higher, so they stay on the back stick and they wouldn't come to attack the ball. And so you just run in front of them, and you'd look like they, the keeper had gone to sleep. So there were definitely some advantages of playing on that yeah. um, pitch, um, but you, you know, which we, you know, we, we took a lot of advantage of. It, it, it probably got us a goal a game easily, you know, um, off the teams. Yeah. You enjoyed playing at Hewish Park as well. Top scorer in '91, '92. 92 and 93 what was it like the first couple of seasons at, at Hewish Park oh well the build-up was uh, phenomenal I mean it was one of the reasons uh, you know Yeovil bought having lost Guy Whittingham and I was I was part of the deal to go to uh, to Portsmouth but they couldn't take the risk on the two of us and I'm I was 18 months older than Guy and so um, they they decided just to go with one of us and so and then Yeovil were aware of that and I was due to get posted away and they didn't want to lose two strikers. So they bought me out of the army and, uh, which was, you know, it was a great, uh, negotiations, um, you know, that we, you know, we had. And so that really made it, um, great. But the, the, the build up to the first game was, um, incredible, uh, the excitement around the place. And a lot of people were not aware. Um, but I had actually uh, broken my foot against Farnborough in a preseason game before that. And so the, the day of that game, I, I turned up on the ground and crutches because I'd had to sleep with my foot elevated to get all the swelling out of it. Because, <laughs> uh, because Brian Hall was a great tactician. He says, if you don't start on the pitch, you know, the crowd are not going to be behind us. So he said, just start, you know, at least start. And if, you, if your foot swells up and you can't do anything, we can take you off, but we've got to have you starting. And so, I turned up with a broken foot, a load of um, a guy called Duncan Russell, who's passed away now, who was a physio. He loaded me up. I'm glad I didn't get drug tested because I was absolutely <laughs> loaded with, with painkillers and everything. And um, we, we, we played the first half, came in at half time. I had to stick my, my foot in an ice pack, elevate it, not take my boot off. I couldn't really rest it. And we came out in the second half, and uh, I remember it really well um, because uh, Peter Conning, pull the ball back to me and on my broken left foot I had to strike it and I remember striking it really cleanly but trying not to strike it and it had gone in and all the guys were running towards me and I'm going my foot my foot so it was a fantastic first game um, I think it was uh, for me it was memorable because not just myself but the, the whole guys in that pre-season we put so much together to to get a good start, and against Colchester, who went on to be the champions, by the way, you know we we absolutely rolled them over um, quite comfortably. 
two uh, nil, and um, it was just a, a fantastic start, a dream start, and I was glad that I was part of it. Um, but we we had a camaraderie in that team that I think um, anybody with a broken leg would have played. So it was a it was a great team. Yeah, uh, and we heard when we were talking to Tim and uh, and Will the other week that some of the financial issues that came with moving the ground. I mean, they came apparent fairly quickly uh, i mean do you remember mickey that you know when the players first hear about them i mean how do, how do you react to that you just moved to this amazing new stadium and then you're hearing you know that they're they're, they're a financial problem did it come through to the players quickly as well <laughs> yes it did and you know listen uh, you know the the passion in yeovil is such um i give a lot of credit to the chairman at the time who really did take on a lot on himself and you know uh, there was just a couple of um, oversights and one of the what people don't realize is that the the prices were were fixed um two years before the project is started and that's where the overrun came because he didn't cater for inflation and uh and so we got a little bit caught out but the intent was great you know we knew we had to move their ambition was i wasn't coming out of the army to play non-league it came out because i definitely believed we had the the squad and the players to get into the league and, and that didn't happen at that time um but we had to just get past it we couldn't let it distract us we you know we had we had a green and white army behind us you know we were screaming for you know you know expected it we had the players who had signed up and everyone was committed so we just said you know it's not something that we can deal with um but what did come out of that period was the fantastic team on the pitch but the fantastic team off the pitch the supporters um were incredible in terms of what they did for the club um you know fundraising every game the yeah. the away support it that made it worthwhile even though we didn't go up i actually felt you know this was like um this this was uh yeovil at its best for me yeah and we heard something about that from from tim and will about bucket collections and meetings and the real passion that there was for the for the club and am i right in saying that the players you you bought shares you put money in as well is that right players we that we was did a, as much as that, we did a lot of fun that was the richer players that yeah. did that that was it yeah. <laughs> the, the... for tax benefits <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no um no we, but we did a lot of stuff i, I remember in that in that year because uh, I had my kids there at the time as well, so we just went to every fundraising event. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it was phenomenal. You know, all the school for everyone was raising money everywhere. Um, it was it was great for me because I had nothing to do with my kids because they were entertained every weekend. You know, at this fair <laughs> or that fair, so it made it really easy. But um, it was a really good will that you know kept everyone going. So I, I don't think you could have one without the other. So it was great. It was great. Neil, you you rejoined in the summer of '92 when Steve Br- Steve Rutter brought you back in. Um, having walked into a club that was in lots of financial turmoil, how how did that feel? Um, it 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 was a bit different because I obviously at the time Steve was my brother-in-law, and uh, I I. I didn't even know about the transfer. I I was a Dorchester player at the time, and so that's where I thought I was going. And then um, he happened to pick me up from the airport, and he said, oh, "I better warn you that you've hit the headlines." 
and I'm going, all right, okay, what's this? He said, well, the club have bought you and you're coming back to play for us. He said, but somebody's found out that we're family. So on the back page of the Western Gazette was plastered, Rutter keeps it in the family. He said, so you're already onto a loser because no matter what happens, they're all going to think that I've picked you for this it could because your family or yeah he said so he said he did apologize he said and it obviously leaked so he, he's just made sort of life a little bit harder before we even started but credit to him he was never biased my way if anything the other way yeah <laughs> I don't know how uh, Steve actually thought that was going to stay a secret. In- oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, yeah. I, you know, I'll speak out for Neil because I can. I mean, you know, everyone was aware that he was related. But, you know, players just like players. And, um, you know, we don't have favourites. If you're a, you're a bad player, you can have a drink with us, but you're not putting your boots on. And if you're a good player, you know, we don't care whether you have a drink with us, you just get on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and Neil you know, earned his stripes. He earned his place in the changing room. And that was the end of it, really. There was never this, um, oh, it's it's Steve's brother-in-law. That never came into play. And it wouldn't have come into play if he, if he wasn't good enough. You know, there would have been, you know, he would have been, it would have been known amongst the players. So, you know, in changing rooms, the, the best 11 know who they are. And, you know, and that's how, and that's how football is at a, more mm. competitive level. You don't. You, you can't afford to have favourites. And Neil was not uh, Steve's favourite. He was just unfortunate enough to be related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and and I mean, talking about what you did, Neil. I mean, we can't talk about that ninety-two, ninety-three season without that. Uh, the uh, the goal that you did score. I know you talked about a blind during your debut, but December the sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two. I think. Uh, I mean, do you ever get fed up with people talking to you about uh, that goal you scored against Hereford that night to set up the tie with Arsenal? No. <laughs> so we can ask you about it then. Can I, can I just set the scene a little bit better for you? Here we go, here we go. This is your scene, though. You took it off his toe, didn't you, Neil? No, 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 I'm going to set the scene for you. So the home game against Hereford, we had, we'd been working on a set play that had absolutely worked perfectly the ball had been clipped to the front post. Uh, Paul Wilson had just flipped it on, and I was supposed to roll round to the back post and just smash it into the the open goal. Well, even to this day, even as I think about it now, I have hit—I've never hit a ball so sweet in my life, and somehow it missed. And so that set the stage because then we were nil-nil at our place, and we had to go to their place and leave yeah. it. And so, not being selfish, I said, Neil, take over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you remember about it, Neil? Do you remember it that way? I think I actually ran past you to get in the box. <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, no, it was. Yeah, I mean that. You'll never forget that night. Is yeah, that goes down in history. It was. Yeah, it was a tight game, very tight game, and uh, I think there was about ten, twelve minutes left, and um, I was warming up, and then. Steve called me and said, you're going on. I'm like, okay. Then I'm thinking, well, what's he going to do? Because I'm a right back. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I, yeah, why would you put a right back on now? And he said, oh, I want you in midfield. I want you just to sit in there, hold, and, and yeah, basically stop them coming forward. And 
and break everything down. So I said, yeah, okay, no problem. And so yeah, after about three or four minutes on the pitch, I saw Wayne <laughs> charging down the down the right. I'm thinking, I'm gonna get in the box here. <laughs> I don't know, don't know where that come from, but yeah, and I yeah got in the box and had my one touch, my cigarette, my cup of tea, and then stuck it in the back yeah. of the net. Well, and Tim was saying he thinks the ball's probably still cr- crossing the goal line now. Isn't it? it seems to take forever to go in. <laughs> I can't believe how many people say that because I, really? I even look back now and I think I've literally had one touch and slotted it in. Mm-hmm. And it for everybody else, that, that's probably the most I get is I can't believe how long it took you to score. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I apart from hitting it first time, which Mick will oh, probably you tell do? you, yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably missed if I hit it first time and how hard that is. But to actually have the touch and then pass it into the net, yeah, it, for, for me, it was literally, yeah, it, it was seconds. But I think to everybody else, it, it rolled into minutes. Well, all I know is that there was a full Mexican wave that went on. It was, honestly, it was what dreams are made of because, yeah. and I know, Neil, it didn't take that long. But you watched it, and he he burst into there. Got the, it was a fantastic first touch. He just absolutely opened it up. But you know, most people would just sort of ram it in. But it was like you said, it was his first touch, and he just carefully just placed it into the goal. And I thought this is going to it's going to be one of those blooper moments where he <laughs> sticks in the mud or something. Like that. Um, but when it went in, I can't remember anything after that. You know, yeah. it, it was just mayhem. Um, all the way because we knew who was next in the next yeah. round. We was it. Yeah, we knew the draw, didn't we? We knew the draw, so mm. it was just mayhem. And um, it seemed to me like the next—I don't know how many minutes—but they just flew by because they were mm. never going to score after that. Yeah. They were, you know, we would have, yeah. we would have chopped the legs off for everything. You know, they were never going to score after that. Obviously, um, the the next game after that was was quite a big one um, against Arsenal. A uh, crowd of 8,612, which was probably the most important statistic given the the situation of at the club. Um, Mickey... that's, the, that's the official crowd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah. that wasn't including the, the four games you had to go to to get your ticket, was it? Very clever, wasn't it? Good Absolutely. Move. Again, what a, what a brainwave, you know. They, we were asked to actually uh, transfer it, weren't we? We had the opportunity to, to play at Arsenal and they said, Obviously, they said no. But what they did do was you had to get a voucher for, I'm not sure if it was four or three games before. So, yeah, we were playing sort of our league games with five, 6,000 supporters there. Yeah, we had um, Bath and we had Enfield and they were full houses. They were yeah. like eight, nine, <laughs> And that was great. Uh, it was great strategy. Yeah. The motivation behind that was not just actually, you know, the the first thing is, we didn't want to rob the the supporters of yeah. their their glory, so that was it. But then the club had to think commercially on how to to get the most out of this, and they said, right, we'll just have uh, the you know the two or three qualifying games, and we had full houses for those. And um, and so I think uh, it was just reward for what had been a really traumatic season um, mm. for everything. But uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, I mean, I had a good game, you know, and I. Listen, me and Neil have joked about it many a time. It was probably the 
the most um, expensive goal that we've, you know we've scored, you know, in the history because it cost us. It, it really got us loads of money in, and so you know we can't forget that, you know, and um, and and it really did keep the ship afloat, you know, um, that that goal that what just going into that next round it was a uh, it was that immense, and all the players knew that as well. You're on the pitch with some amazing players that day. Ian Wright, Tony Adams, all the you know the iconic names of, of you know of Arsenal legend. What what was it like being on the same pitch of those players and testing yourselves against them? Well, I, I was sub on the day, um, and then come on, um, but I can just remember how quick they were, and and it wasn't so much like the football side of it; it was the brain. Yeah. Like I, I, I think I was marking Anders Limpar, you know, and I went to close him down, and he received the ball and gone before I'd even got there. Yeah. And I thought I was quite quick, you know, but like their their brain was a bit like a snooker player; they were always thinking ahead. And and whereas maybe because we were non-league, we were a little bit behind that. But yeah, their speed of thought was just. For me, that was probably the one thing that stood out the most. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. The, the defenders, I mean, I was playing against Tony Adams and, and Keown, and they were leaving me alone. I'm thinking, where are you going? And then they were getting the ball. I'm thinking, I didn't even see that. They, yeah. they were just a, like a fraction ahead of you, just seeing the picture. And it was, it was, a, it was a great game. I, you know, you wanted to play at that level, or, but you could see the difference. And, mm. you know, um, Ian Wright, was uh, <laughs> inspirational because he, he was laughing with us. He, he knew because he was he came from non-league and he knew how important it was with us. But he was, for me, he was class on the day, mm. um, his performance, his goals. Um, well, no, nobody chipped Colsey, did they? No, no. You know, he, yeah. if, if he did that in training, the ball would be out of the ground because yeah, yeah. yeah, he yeah. hated it. He, but yeah, to do that, to, he, was, he was a class goalie. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It was, and um, you know, um, it was, it was a great day, and you know, and we got the fans their goal. You know, we, they, you know, Batty got the uh, the penalty. Um, I was never going to take the penalty, by the way. For, <laughs> you know, um, 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 but another interesting fact about that uh, game is that my mother had um, come down to to watch it. I had a lot of family come down to watch it, and uh, throughout my whole life from school right through to Yeovil. She would always come up to the Northern Games because she's from Manchester. And um, I'd always score in front of her. And on that day, I actually scored a goal that got disallowed and I was onside because um, uh, Dixon had actually kept me onside, but the referee, had, uh, the linesman had ruled it off. So I needed VAR then. <laughs> um, and, um, but uh, that was the, the was personal... That, was that before or after the tackle? Because you probably would have been off as well. Uh, I was going to well, say, I've seen that video. That is a tasty I, I st- tackle, that. <laughs> I, st- I still would have been serving time, I reckon. I would have been <laughs> I, I would have had a, In today's game, I would have had a, probably a number across my chest and wanted, most wanted. No, it was... Um, I mean, it's slightly different here yeah. and you weren't able to sort of leave your foot in, but they were showboating a bit. We were... We had run out mm. of bits off and they started playing it across the back and I'd run sort of I'd done a shuttle of about sort of 15 20 yards and I thought you better get rid of that ball because <laughs> I am not stopping now so um anyway he did and it was just actually I was you know pretty pleased that I stayed on 
uh, pretty pleased that I gave um, our supporters something to sort of be fired up about. But even now, when I look at it, I think, oh, that was... How to get away with that? Well, <laughs> no, I wouldn't have got away. Yeah, anyone who hasn't seen it, we're going to find this video. We'll, we'll put it on our Twitter so that you can look at it. It's worth you a watch. A war, you need to put a warning on it for children. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, graphic, to... graphic content. But, uh, yeah, graphic but, content. Yeah. Uh, Neil, when we were talking to, say, Tim the other um, and Will the other week, they were saying to us, Mark Shale, a fantastic player for us at that time, yeah. he wasn't available. I mean, I'm not saying for a second that it would have been a different result if he was, he was playing, but do you think it could have been a closer game if he would have been there uh, marking uh, Ian Wright? Because I know Andy Wallace was on him and he wasn't a defender in fairness to Andy, was he? But um, do you think if Mark Shale had been there, he could have done? Um, probably not, no, because I wouldn't have played. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Uh, That's the difference. I, I, yeah, I I think he he would have made a difference. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to say, isn't it? At the end of the day, Andy Wallace was a great player, you oh, know, player. and and he's played there before. It wasn't like it was the first game. He he'd been there and he knows sort of what it's about. But when you come across Ian Wright, it's yeah. a different ball game, isn't it? But I think Shaley. Yeah, he he probably would have done it. I think it was a it was a little bit of a double whammy. Yeah, because, because um, you know we we you know Shady was a great defender. Andy was a great uh, midfielder, and so yeah. we would have added a little bit more to our attacking prowess. He was a um, you know Andy was a love him or hate him sort of person, but mm. as a player, you always wanted him in your team. He stayed calm. His leadership quality on the pitch was um, fantastic. And so in the centre of the midfield, if you needed somebody to marshal things and just calm things down, he would have been the man. And so I think on that day, we lost two, we, well, we affected two of our strengths. The strength in defence from Mark Shale, who was phenomenal that season. He was fantastic. And also the, the guile and the timing. You've got to remember some of the goals that Andy scored against Fulham and stuff like that in the, foot, in the, in the games. You know, he... He, he added another dimension to our not only our attacking play, but he marshaled that the uh, that mm. midfield really well. So yeah. uh, I think we were weakened in two areas in that game, and you know uh, it, it annoys me as a, a player that people would actually highlight Andy as a, a problem because he was a team player. And I tell you now, if anybody needed to be sat in that position, it would have been him because if it yeah. was anyone less, it would have been about five or six goals uh, yeah. without doubt. So. Um, and people don't realise that we need in the team. And Shaley just picked up a very mm. silly last-minute booking at Hereford. Um, it was really out of nothing. And then we realised... Well, we knew, didn't we? We knew during the game. Yeah, we knew yeah. straight away. I mean, I mean, it was really uh, dis you know, disappointed for Mark Shale, but disappointed for the team because mm. we, knew, we knew how strong we were as a team and we couldn't afford the spine of the team, um, Mark Shale and Andy Wallace, to not have been there, you know, we would have, it would have been a tight game. I tell you that now. Yeah. Yeah. That that season is obviously remembered for the FA Cup game, but the the league season was good as well. A fourth place finish in the conference. Did did you feel during that season there was a a good chance to, you know, finally reach the holy grail of the football league? Uh, yes, and that, you know um, what people don't realise is that we went up to. Gate said in the last game of the season, and we knew if we won that game, we were going to finish second. And all the uh, and we, we were that confident, and we we went up 
we didn't particularly play well. And, you know, we just saw the season out. We lost the, the game and, you know, we ended up fourth. But um, the following season, every team in that league had Yeovil as favourites to go up, you know, um, because that's how strong we were the season before, because we finished second and we, we more or less, we never chucked the last game, but we knew that it was the last game. We weren't going down and, you know, it was, it was, um, it was you know, you don't play for second in the Conference League, you play for first. So it didn't really matter whether we finished second, third or fourth, you know. Um, so we were... We were confident that we were going to do well if we'd kept the team together, and um, and then obviously that wasn't yeah, that wasn't really given that um, opportunity, really. Yeah, and, and I mean the next season, Mickey, you, you touched on there, Andy Wallace in that uh, that amazing game against uh, Fulham on, on on the telly. But uh, I guess Neil, you, you mentioned there your connections earlier with um, with Steve Rutter. I mean, he left quite soon after that game, didn't he, as, as, as manager? And, I mean, did it at the time, did that feel like it was the end of something? Because um, Steve had obviously, you know, that team that you had at that time was such a such a unit, as you, you've both spoken about. Yeah, you, you obviously do worry. It's like losing the manager. It's like, who's next? Who's coming in? And you've, you've got that worry. And then sort of you then want to try and impress the new guy and that. And then obviously we found out it was Brian Hall come back again, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I I kind of knew that was the end of my time because we didn't really see eye to eye the first time and he re- he released me then. And, yeah, I know the time when he called me in the office, I just said to him, OK, I'm on my way. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's what it was. And, that, and that's kind of how it ended, really, for me. But, yeah, and it, he... Obviously, every manager's got ideas and how they want to play and who they want. And I wasn't in his plan. So it was easier for me just to say, look, I'll go. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was worried because the shame is that I think had I stayed, then I think with Graham Roberts coming in later, I think I was his kind of player. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and yeah, everything could have been different, but. Yeah, I've I've got no regrets. You know, I've I I, I never fell out with Brian or anything. And he, to to be honest, I've learned quite a lot from him. You know, of his man management and and yeah, how he how he wanted to play. He was more than happy to play nil nil and win in the ninety first minute. And and to be honest, I think that's probably about right if you defend really well. You know, you will create chances. You know, but. Yeah, for for me, it was just a sad time to because obviously I loved Yeovil. I lived in Yeovil, and so it, it was like a my home home club really. You you left for Dorchester in nineteen ninety four, and Mickey, you were around for a year longer, and um, with until Graham Roberts replaced Brian Hall. Um, if the two of you had to sum up your memory of being a Yeovil Town player, what what would you say, Mickey? You go first. What would you say is your main memory of it? Um, the opening game uh-huh. was phenomenal. Um, um, the build-up to the Arsenal game was—it made you realise what it could have been like if you had been a Premier League player. <laughs> because you, you couldn't yeah. walk around. In fact, I couldn't go shopping in Yeovil over that 
Christmas because every time I got out of the car, <laughs> my ticket, ticket ran out before I got to the shop because I was getting stopped by so many people wishing as well and everything else. And so, um, so that was phenomenal. And um, I'm a testimonial game. It was, yeah. it was, um, it was, it was a perfect ending for me. Um, you know, um, you know, against Southampton, Matt Letizia, I scored two goals. I had Guy Whittingham on the pitch, and I scored more than him that day, which is probably the first time ever. Um, and you know, all in all, it was um, it, it, it was a, just a great period in you know in, in, in my life. And, you know, I'll always be to Yeovil for it. And the one thing I always have to say is that the Yeovil away supporters were tops by a country mile. They used to turn up at Gateshead and everywhere, and we used to just think, "Damn, those guys! Lo those guys love us, don't they?" You know, they they were they were phenomenal. The away supporters. Yeah, we and and, and Neil, I, I guess for you. Uh, you can say there if a goal if you want to, but uh, I mean, what, what what would be your memory? And I, I guess another question would be: Do you think Yeovil's obviously gone on to be a league club for for all these years? Um, I mean, do you think we're capable of getting there again? I think you might be on mute, Neil. <laughs> You're on mute, Neil. <laughs> you got company I, there. I, yeah, that's a, a dog's bark. Um, now I. Obviously, the Hereford goal is is key, but like Mick said, I think like even going away, the supporters were just unbelievable. It, they they actually turned away sort of games into home games. There were so many supporters that would would follow Yeovil, sort of like we said, all over the country. And for me, sort of playing away was was even probably more special than playing home games. Um, can they get back in? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You know the the size of the club. Um, yeah, I I think they're a, a a professional outfit and should be somewhere in the um, football league. Mickey, I know. Mickey, do you think? Yeah, you're overseas now. Have you followed? Have you followed the the fortunes of Yeovil Town over the last? Yeah, I, few I years? listen. They're on my favourite list of um, clubs, <laughs> along with Man United. So they're just be, just behind them. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I follow them and listen. This is why we play sports. I, you know, I love the sports. Yeovil did it once before. I hope they do it again. Not for the players, for the, the fans. You know, um, because I remember um, going to that uh, the 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 bus ride through town when Yeovil first got into the league, and you know, as an ex-player and still a fan, it was such a, an amazing sense of pride and achievement, and you know, um. It was fantastic, and I'd love to see the Oval supporters uh, get that again. You know, um, so yeah, the Oval are as good as any anyone. It's it's got a lot of history, and as long as you don't take yourself too seriously, you can enjoy it. You know, the the you know winning and losing is football, and um, in that period, you know, I got I got bombed out by um, Graham Roberts, and what a good decision that was because um, they went on to, to to get promoted into the league so you know as much as as, as much as you know from a personal position i felt i could have played in that team it really didn't matter you know it really did not matter you know yeovil went on like they've always gone on and uh, they went into the league and you know um graham roberts rightly so will be remembered for that and um, and so he should be so 
that's sports. You know, we, we, you know, we did our time. We did. We played our best. We we won a few things. We lost a few things. We've had a few memorable things, and I wouldn't change any of it. People say, "Do you miss not getting into league?" I said, "No, I tried though." And there's not many people got onto that pitch and tried. You know, me and Neil did. We had a great time. We're still yeah. lifelong friends since. So you know, it couldn't have been all that bad. <laughs> Well, I just want to say, as a supporter of the club, I started supporting Yeovil in 1998. And you're two of the names that keep cropping up um, since I've started the podcast um, of people that um, have sort of gone down in the lore of Yeovil Town and people that um, fans want to hear from and supporters like to hear from. So just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure to hear you both tell your story of your time at Yeovil and really appreciate your time. And I know our listeners will as well. well thank you. No, thank you. Thanks very much. And I, look, you, I still look younger than Neil, by the way. <laughs> you got to be joking. Was, the listeners can't see that, but uh, we'll, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take a screenshot. Had I known it was colour and tie, I would have dressed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no one told me that. Listen, the only thing that Neil's got over me is that he has got a face for the radio, and that's. that's <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky you're so far away, mate. I tell you. Okay. All right. <laughs> where's where's me invite as well? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you on. Yeah. And you get that beard to shave, and he can come on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, thanks thanks for the um, invite. You know, yes. and, um Send us a recording because it'll be. It'd be something to laugh about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we certainly will. Thanks very much, Neil. Thanks, Mick. Yeah, really no, thank you, guys. Cheers. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's standing by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot, goal! Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello Fresh. 